Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 231, brought to you by Hookem.com, our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, as usual, joined by Kirk Bowles, the Duck. And Duck, we're going to talk about a team that plays football on I-35, and it's not who you think it is. We got to bring in Jake Spavital of Texas State, or it's not football season. So, Jake, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Uh, you know, football season's right around the corner. Excited to get it going. Really curious about uh, Kirk's nickname. That's the first thing that I, first time I've heard this before about. Uh, did you say duck? Duck. I'm a Taylor uh, duck. Oh, <laughs> uh, I get it now. I, I, I just wanted to know the story behind that. But, yeah. you know, all is well here, man. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. Now, our readers have another nickname for him. Hey, hey, but, easy. You know, <laughs> we can get into Let's that later. Let's go with then. a D. That's all I want to say. <laughs> this is a family show. Come on. Family show. Said uh, I guess, God, I'm keeping it above board. So the, the Bobcats open the season up. At home against the Baylor Bears, and um, I mean that's that's going to be a, a a great game. Uh, two teams uh, battling to get back where they used to be. Uh, where are you? Uh, this is year three for you, five and nineteen. The first couple of years, is that light at the end of the tunnel? Or are we expecting some major improvements this year? I, I think we're going to we're a lot better. You know, um, I think when I got here in twenty nineteen. Um, you know, it, you didn't get to bring in very many players. It was a very small signing class. We had 33 seniors. Uh, we, we had a lot of attrition that year, but it did give me an opportunity to go through the Sun Belt, which I believe is a, a very strong league. And yes, got to go through the league, got to kind of compare where my roster was, uh, how you travel, facilities, and really just kind of figure out, you know, the lay of the land and the culture of Texas State. So it, I learned a lot in that 2019 year about the university and what we need to be successful and compete uh, in, in the Sun Belt and, and to get to a point where we can win a conference championship. And we brought in uh, really 65, 70 new players for the 2020 season. And from there, you know, like I thought we made tremendous improvements with the roster and and you go through a winter conditioning, you go through five practices of spring ball and then a pandemic hits. And uh, I'm just saying the process of just allowing us to get to the point to play, you know, uh, we went out and played at SMU. And I felt like our team had been together for about two, two and a half weeks. Wow. Uh, you know, we brought in a lot of new guys. Uh, you know, you so you worry about culture and, and foundation and, and just trying to, uh, you know, you as a coach, that's what you're worried about. But like at that point, we were just trying to be able to get on the field and play because we had that eligibility freeze uh, for everybody in, in NCAA football that, you know, that allowed us to believe that we can get some valuable game experience and reps and figure out who we are as a team. And 
Uh, you know, we had a lot of ups and downs last year, uh, a lot of uh, gut wrenching losses, but uh, I do believe it's going to pay off big dividends for our program. Uh, but going into just all the new, the ever changing climate of college football, you know, you got the transfer portal and you got just the name, image, likeness and just everything of that nature. It's changing. And I, I do believe that it has accelerated uh, our program here in terms of recruiting with the transfer portal and uh, allowed us to, to bring in a lot of guys that are going to help us play immediately. And and they, the thing is, they got multiple years to play. So I, I do believe there's a lot of improvement. Uh, that you guys are going to see from uh, really from last year to this year, man, a lot of improvement from 2019 till now. Well, and you hit on COVID. I mean, it affected everybody and impacted every program. But as you and I visited during your media days last Saturday, it's like it especially hurt new coaches in their first or second year. You're facing Dave Aranda, who had faced the same thing at Bader last year. So uh, tell our listeners a little bit about dealing with that. I mean, starting with the SMU game, you were, what, depleted at tight end, like eight tight ends? Yeah, that was, that was just – it was unique, you know. Um, you try to put your kids in, in the best position possible and make sure that they're healthy. And, like, we had great athletic trainers and, uh, and the COVID protocols that you had to go through. Uh, the issue that we probably dealt with the most last year was um, was false positives, you know, like and you could sense the frustration with the kids, you know, yeah. like football is is you got to put a lot of work into it. You know, if, if you're playing it, if you're coaching it, especially if you're playing at the wear and tear on your body and the recovery and the amount of hours that you put into it to play 12 games. Right. And then all of a sudden off of a false positive to have your next two games removed from you and now you're down to 10 games like you just see the frustration or I contact trace as well and I uh, I'm telling you like there was more you know psychology and in, in play and more about the mental health of our student athletes because you know you put so much time into it and then 48 hours before your home opener on ESPN uh you know, you're, you're told that you can't play in the game and you just literally put, you know, 10, like it'd be put in eight months of preparation to get to that point. Then uh, you couldn't be able to do it. So I feel for all the coaches across the country, you know, but it, it's it's something that everybody, if you were in football or not, it affected you somehow. And and uh, what I've learned in, in the 2020 uh, just kind of year, it's communication's got to be on point and you got to make sure that you have relationships with everybody in your program and you're constantly talking uh, and being on the same page because the CDC guidelines are changing on a daily basis. Your government's changing on a daily basis. The, just everything is changing and, and you got to be able to work your way through the issues. But, um, you know, I'm an optimistic guy, as, as you probably know, just being around me. It's just uh, I always try to find the positives in something in such a, a negative time in, in everybody's lives. Last year, I, I found opportunity to maybe. Uh, find ways to or loopholes that could maybe advance our university and put our kids in the best position. I think that's what we did. But uh, like you're saying, there was a bunch of issues that you had to go through dealing dealing with COVID last year, and then there could possibly arise again this year. Yeah. And if they do, we're we're ready for it. So you know what, Jake, and you know, last year was about uh, you know a lot of bunker mentality. You know, you not to try to use too many war references, but. Uh, teams were forced to stay indoors and stay within their bubble. And I know that's kind of a double-edged sword because you kind of want your guys together. But after a while, you know, these are these are young adults and they want to get out and blow off some steam. How are you able to keep that together with a pandemic raging in the world? I mean, it couldn't have been easy. Yeah, it. I'm saying very difficult, you know, but – 
again, you put so much time into it, you know, it's just how much is it, uh, how much are you willing to sacrifice for it? Um, uh, and a lot of, and it kind of showed you kind of what type of team you have and uh, just how devoted they are. And, and they, they bought into everything we said. We were, I, I believe, the only team that, that played 12 consecutive games without any hiccups, you know, and, uh, and that's just a testament to them paying attention to, you know, everything that we're doing and our athletic trainers putting us in position where we could prevent, you know, a spread if we did have a positive case. Um, but again, like they're, they're young kids experiencing college for the first time and, you know, like in freedom from their, from their household for the first time. And um, I, I'm telling you, like just the horror stories that you've heard from other schools, uh, you, you look at like, I think that was Arkansas State Memphis. I think uh, when they're, I think when they played uh, early in the, in last year, and then they all ended up getting COVID at some point and they had to cancel games. Uh, you know, it's it's just difficult to do and difficult to monitor. Uh, and but like I thought, our kids did an extremely great job at doing it. We actually had more issues in spring when things were lightening up a little bit more than we did uh, in fall. But again, I think just the the value of playing 12 games last year is going to help our program out a ton. And I just appreciate how everybody in our organization worked together to get to that point. I'm curious how many players had either COVID or false positives. I know Brady uh, McBride, your quarterback, had to miss a game. And UNL game, one of your two wins, what did you have, 45 players? Yeah, that, that was – I've never – I'm telling you, we had – we were naming packages. We were like, all right, if we get in this position and, well, you know, we got – two D linemen on the field and all the rest are linebackers, you know, we'll let you name it. Like it was a new name every single week. And it was a nickname of one of our players because, uh, and we made it fun, but I'm saying you look back at it and you're watching the cutups after, uh, after the season, you're trying to evaluate yourself and get your program better. And what can I do better? And from a schematic standpoint, you're sitting there looking at it and be like, we would never, ever be in this position probably ever again. You know, like we wouldn't have that package on the field, but you go, that was just the circumstances at hand. And, and we were playing on a national TV scale right there. That was an ESPNU game. And uh, from, you know, and I was talking to you about this, Kirk, like this is, you don't understand how important that is for our university, just the exposure. Right. Um, and, and that was kind of where we were at with the SMU game. You know, you lose your tight ends, you get contact trace, your backup quarterback gets contact trace. Like, you know, you go in with not very many people. And I, we had the option to cancel that game. We had the option to cancel the Louisiana Monroe game. But, you know, with, with an eligibility freeze and where we're at and the exposure that we're going to get playing on ESPN, the main channel, for the first time ever in our school history, exactly. and, and also being on ESPN and ESPN2, I felt like that was going to help us out way more in the long run, you know, instead of canceling the entire game. And uh, our kids handled it well, and they're fired up to do it. And I, I do think from a recruiting standpoint, it's helped us out a ton, too, just from the exposure we got. And you're competitive. I mean, that you're – well, if you led the SMU, I think, in the third quarter, and and uh, you also led uh, uh, BC, you know, late in that game. We talked about your heartbreaking – Don't be bringing these up anymore, Kirk. <laughs> I've moved on to 2021. <laughs> Bad memory. We're moving forward. So, I think. Tell me if my numbers are wrong. Do you have twenty-one transfers uh, in this offseason? Yeah. Yes. And how many of those are starting and are on the two deep? Would you say? Uh, a majority of them are on the and are in the two deep. Um, you know, I, if I had to, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but like I would probably say, you know, a, a, around probably seventy percent of them are in the two deep. You know, okay. like. A lot of them, um, you know, are, are going to be on developmental squads and, and things of that nature. 
uh, you're dealing with a different type of kid. It's it's very it's very interesting because I've kind of explained it to you a little bit. Like my freshman has been in college for two years, you know, and they're they're pretty mature grown men coming in. They got four years of eligibility, and uh, that's that's allowed us to to develop better. Our practices are more intense when you get down to these these scrimmages in fall camp where you can you got to see if any of these younger guys can help you out or you know they're actually pretty competitive where in the right. past i couldn't even put a three group out there and and i think these that these transfers that came in and they, they've really kind of solidified our depth you know and hopefully we can have a clean year with that and then we can start getting developmental players in to help build build this program I know uh, uh, Brady McBride had eight starts at quarterback and uh, Tyler Vitt had four. Um, how's that shaping up? Is Brady the guy? And uh, tell us a little bit about this new kid from North Carolina State, Ty Evans. Yeah, so Brady, I, I announced him as a starter. Um, I, I told the, the quarterback group on uh, Sunday and then it, it, it got leaked out. I didn't really know, like, announce it. It just got leaked out somehow. You know how that goes. But uh uh, I always try to announce it during a mock week so we can kind of get the distractions out. So when we get into game week, we're ready to roll. Uh, but Brady's had a really good uh, spring and fall camp. Uh, really impressed with him. Uh, his poise, his leadership. Um, he got voted a team captain. Uh, you know, he's just really uh, – when you looked at SMU game, and like this is what I always say to summarize him up, he ran the ball 14 times in the SMU game and I didn't call one quarterback run. And he just, you know, I think he we've gone through a lot of ups and downs through last year. Uh, year two in a system with quarterback play is always way much better because he just is, is so much more comfortable and you don't have those elementary talks. So really pleased with, with, with where Brady's going. Tyler did. Uh, I'm telling you, he's, he can go in and win games too. We won games with him last year. Um, he, he's, a, he's a competitor. He's been here for four years. He started a lot of games here. He started more games than Brady. Uh, he's, he's just He's got all the utmost respect for him. And, you know, he, uh, he he loves the game. You know, you tell him that Brady's starting it, and he's like, all right, I'm going to bring it again in practice the next day. So it's a, it's a really it's a really good it. culture. Uh, and then you talk about Ty Evans. Ty Evans, uh, uh, he is a, a junior in the classroom, and he is a freshman on the field. Uh, he was an Elite 11 quarterback out of Colorado uh, that I recruited when I was at West Virginia. Um, highly rated kid. Uh, very interesting story. He was committed to a lot of uh, universities, Arkansas and Colorado, with Coach Bielema and uh, with Coach McIntyre. And both, unfortunately, both of them uh, got fired, and uh, he ended up kind of getting moving around. And he ended up going to North Carolina State late. And uh, uh, you know, he he signed with Eli Drinkowitz, who ended up going off to be the head coach at App State like a week after uh, he signed with them. And and then uh, then Drink went to Missouri, obviously, but. Um, but he, he's a talented kid. He's played a lot. I was looking for a, a new start, and um, we had a relationship previously, and uh, we knew about each other, and it was, it was a pretty good, solid deal to bring him here. I think he has a great future. Uh, I think when you look at Tyler and Brady, they just got so much experience on him in this system. I think just the more reps this kid has, he has a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, you talk about the changing world of college football. Here, I said, here's this guy, Evans, came from North Carolina State, but like you said, committed to – uh, Colorado and uh, Arkansas before that. So he's on his fourth school, but he's a freshman. I mean, exactly. It's, it's and he hadn't played crazy. and he hadn't played a game. He hadn't played. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. You know, um, that that's the, the type of kids. I got tons of examples of those kids that, you know, that 
have four years of eligibility, been in school for two years, or maybe they've been in one school for one year and they, they have five years to play for, they have their, their red shirt year. Right. Um, you know, so it, roster management in the future is going to be very interesting because, you know, these kids are going to get to the point where they're going to be graduated and they're going to have two years of eligibility. And what are they wanting to do? How much do they love football? Do they want to continue on and play? Right. Then they're going to work towards a grad program or some of them may just hang it up at that point, you know, and um, based off of maybe being out recruited or not or what, you know, so. Um, uh, very interesting times coming forward, you know, and you got to, again, you got to communicate and have lots of discussions about it. And what's the name of that committee that you're on, Jake? The NCAA? Uh, I'm on the NCAA Rules Committee and the NCAA Ethics Committee, and then I'm on the Sunbelt Name Image Likeness Task Force. Right. So the Rules so, Committee said he can kind of stay ahead of what's coming down, you know, as far as yeah. immediate eligibility and that sort of thing. So it, uh, it or, is, or he could push push for Texas State to join the Big 12. I mean, the Sun Bell already <laughs> owns the Big 12. Now so. we're talking right now. I mean, I'm just look. I, we're sports writers. We look at the numbers. We saw what the Sun Belt did to the Big 12 last year. And what, what <laughs> man, it's a very good league, man. But, like, I just think about all the topics we've already talked about right now. You know, just from COVID, the transfer portal, and then we haven't talked about name, image, likeness, but we've mentioned it. You know, you got conference realignment. You know, there's just uh, the the college football playoff expansion. Like, there's just so many things that are going to happen. And on top of that, those are the major ones. And you have roster management and initial counters, and right. and uh, that that's the one that uh, is going to be pretty interesting. Um, because uh, right now they're leaning towards like I know the NCAA is talking about it right now, and the discussions I've had about. You know, you can, uh, you know, you can sign 25 in a year, but like you can actually maybe sign seven more if those kids transfer out of your school on, uh, you know, on their own terms. So like, so you can get that initial counter back. So like, I'm telling you, like there, there's all these changes right now and there are really no rules about it yet. And uh, you're going to see the rules start solidifying and, uh, and uh, the, you're, you're going to see it probably end up changing all again in the next couple of years. So it's just and you've how got this thing Connor Anderson, that's his name, right? He's yep. your director of player personnel. And how long has he been with you? Has he been with you the whole time in San Marcos? The whole time, whole time. What's, he was, what's uh, his background? He was uh, – his dad is the head athletic trainer at University of Oklahoma. So there's the connection with with me. I've known uh, a lot of uh, the people at Oklahoma. And, and uh, so he was at Oklahoma for a few years. I think it was about two, three years uh, working in the recruiting department. And then he went to Michigan for two years. Uh, under Harbaugh and was there for two years. I uh, had, I was looking for a, a kind of a younger guy, uh, kind of a, an eager guy and Connor came in and, and what a perfect time to become a director of, of player personnel for the first time. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. And then what are his, I don't know what his typical day is like, and I don't want to go too deep in the wood, in the weeds there, but what are he kind of in charge of? Is he looking at the transfer portal every hour? You know, no, that it like in today's time, uh, you know, like with the Apple watches and you can, you can like get the alerts on your phone of like, if like the transfer portal hits a new guy. So you can actually like, he could be out there at practice watching practice and he can look down at his Apple watch and it'll say like this kid hit the portal right now. Okay. Uh, but you know, Connor, Connor and I, like we, Connor gets up here early. We, we get an office around 4am every morning and, and he wow. stays late. And, but like, he's, he's still, he's deals with a lot of things. Like you have the transfer portal, um, 
which is obviously a hot topic, but also we're making sure that we're doing the right thing and recruiting the high school kids and, and staying on track with that and doing that the right way, especially in the state of Texas. And, and uh, we're looking through junior college kids and transfer portal. Uh, just, you know, he, he's evaluating our current roster and needs and potential of maybe kids graduating early, maybe kids staying an extra year. Like, you know, he's just making sure that we have those discussions with the players um, on their kind of their thoughts after the season on what they're thinking. Um, you know, and then on top of that, like we're we're working with admissions and and trying to, you know, talk with them on how transfer rules are happening and and, and education from that standpoint. There's there's conversations happening every single second of the day with this uh, with this uh, roster management stuff. But uh, very fortunate to have Connor, and I, I think you may have had the opportunity to talk to him. You know, he's a solid guy. Bear Bryant never knew how easy he had it. Just <laughs> Oh man, I can I tell you, man. Like it, there, I feel like there's a new issue every single day. You walk in and you're just like, how do we deal with this one? And exactly. You start calling around and you figure it out. I do want to ask you about one of your guys. Um just watching uh BYU, they show their games on the Mormon television network or whatever. And uh you have this kid, Marcel Barbie, this receiver yeah. that's lit him up and uh, I think he also had a big game against BC in that wild game. Uh, second team preseason, all all uh, Sun Belt. What kind of spring has he had? And uh, as he look looks like a guy that's poised to take over this thing and be a real star. Yeah, I'm really proud of Marcel. It's just where he was kind of like where he came from, and you know, it, he was a guy that we looked at. He's an Iowa Western junior college kid that we've been following for a long time. And uh, Coach Peeler came in, uh, my my receiver coach, offense coordinator, and we, and we focused on you know P, uh, on Barbie, you know, right when we got here. And he's a good, you know, six foot two. He's a long kid. He knows how to use his body. Like jump balls are, he's phenomenal at. Uh, we know he can play, but like the thing that I'm proud of him about is, you know, just the maturity that he's had over the past, you know, year and a half here, uh, and and getting into the second season, he's now taking on a leadership role and and that shows you just kind of where our culture's going and and uh you know the power of influence and what he's capable of doing and uh, I, I think just from his maturity and how he's approaching practice and how he's becoming a leader I, I do think that you know he's going to do great things and he's ready to take it over yeah, his transfer world is just crazy uh, you have three Canadians on your offensive <laughs> line and I talked to one of one of them says like a lumberjack. Liam Dobson came Damn. from Maine. He's from Canada originally. You have a beard? Oh, he's got oh, the yeah. full beard and going and everything. Grew up playing hockey, can dunk a basketball. So how's, how's that beard work working in central Texas, 98 degrees? <laughs> he you know, he, he always laughs like this. The Canadians are so funny. Like they've referenced to me that this is the hottest their body has ever felt on the history of <laughs> their third time on this planet. Like I just always <laughs> laugh at it and I welcome him there, but they love it here. I'm yeah. telling you, they, they embrace it. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a good tan going on now. Uh, they're, they're going to their, they're going to the river all the time. So that they're, they're really embracing the culture of San Marcos. And where would you say the improvement, uh, just, I know your running game really improved last year, and you got a lot of those people back. And Jeter, the Oklahoma State transfer. What specific areas do you think you feel so much more comfortable about? Not just the depth, but where you're going to make the biggest progress. You I think? think the offensive line is a lot better. 
um, just from the, the the additions that we brought in. You know, you have Kyle Ergel, it will be our will be in the mix for a right guard, and you got Liam Dobson, and then you know you got North Carolina State transfer Charles Fletcher at center. Um, those three have been great. You know, they really have. They've added like what you're saying with the depth, but they can play so many different positions. And we mix and match them up. So now I got feel good now with eight solid O linemen going into a game, and nice. and that's where you're going to see it. You guys have seen the running backs. You know we got some playmaking receivers. Uh, we got uh, a Rontavius Groves, a slot from North Carolina, uh, who's who uh, is very familiar with our system, and he he's done great things. Um, you know Rontavius and Liam Dobson actually been voted uh, you know into our kind of like our leadership council and team captains nice. to an extent. So they're those new guys are, are, are really, you know, taking a, a great approach to this whole deal. But I would say the O-line and the D-line is where you're going to see probably the biggest improvements. We're bigger, we're longer, you know, and, and we're more aggressive, more physical. And then you look at the defensive line, we got now around around eight guys over 280 pounds. You know, that's – I've said it before, big people beat up little people. And, you know, that's, that's, that's where we're at right now. We, we're getting a lot better in the trenches. Well, I know you, you guys are pumped down there and uh, got it going. So uh, can't wait to, to watch the improvement on the field this year. So, uh, man, we just love having you. And let's do it again during the season, okay? Yeah, let me know. I appreciate you all. It's always fun, as as usual. you know. And uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you all. But looking forward to a great season and, and talking with you guys throughout the process of it all. Awesome. Well, Texas State opens a 21 season on September 4th. At home against the Baylor Bears, 6 p.m. at Bobcat Stadium. Jake Spavitar, we appreciate you, man. Always good to talk to you. Always. Appreciate y'all. Thank, Thank you, you, man. All right. On second thought. Doug, Jake Spavitar, you think they went 12-0. He's so, so positive and so forward-thinking and I really think he's going to get it turned around. It's hard to build from the ground up. It is, and especially hard at a place like Texas State with so little football tradition. And, you know, they keep changing coaches every few years. And, you know, and I talked to Jake on Saturday at Media Days, and he says he still gets offers. Of course he does. You know, well, he's won five games in two years, but he's still in demand. And it just shows you how hard this job is. And, if you do it right, you probably need to give a guy seven, eight years, you know, at a place like this. Now, whether he'd want to stay that long, I don't know. But I think he's got the nucleus and the foundation to turn that thing around. You know, if he, and if he stayed for four or five years, and if he won, if he won, if he won six games and got him to a bowl game. The offers, more offers, going to pour sure. in. They'll say, know what he's working with down there. Yeah. And you remember Arkansas State was like that and uh, Tulsa basketball. There are certain things that are launching point, like, you know, Brian Harson, you know, exactly. was at Arkansas Little Rock and and they kind of have to keep cycling. And that's why, boy, evaluating coaches and, and hiring the right guys just means everything. And like you said, I think Spavadol's energy, he's been at A&M, he's been at West Virginia, he got a personality. He's on a couple of the biggest NCAA committees, so – yeah, I agree with you. And I wish they played Thursdays. I wish they had at least one, if not two Thursday games a year. Try to be on ESPN2 or U for the exposure. And, you know, because we'd go down there more if it was a Thursday. So not that that's exactly the exposure they're looking for. But 
Hey, everybody's watching. If you're Thursday, everybody's watching. You're you're in the spotlight, and that's why he played. I mean, SMU game was a Thursday. I went to that one, and uh, every tight end was out. They they lost eight tight ends and uh, didn't play. So, but yeah, moving on. Well, we, we talked about evaluating coaches. Why don't we do a little bit of evaluating, Duck? Uh, the Texas Longhorns, we're getting so close. Golly. The opening Saturday, Louisiana coming in here. And let's talk about three big storylines okay. leading into that game. Let's the do it. biggest one, the elephant in the room, Steve Sarkeesian. Is he ready for this pressure cooker, Duck? We've we've heard him over the spring. We heard him this summer. The real bullets are going to be flying really soon. And is Steve Sarkeesian the right guy to get this thing moving back toward that elusive top 10? Well, I can tell you absolutely for a fact that you don't oh, know. We just don't know. You, you, know. you, you and I talk so often every day about this, isn't it? We don't know. The jury's out. I mean, he wasn't a runaway success at Washington and uh, USC. He was building Washington and getting them back. And you look what Chris Peterson did as his replacement took off. So he, he's ready in terms of he's been around the block. He's been at big programs. He's been at big programs that have won championships like Alabama. He's been in the NFL you know, he's the, he's the flavor of the month. And honestly, we don't know. I think he's very solid. He's very intense. You know, he's not a joker. You know, he's very intense and knows what he's doing, very organized. So, but, you know, when you get down to it, you know, I mean, Charlie Strong loses David Ash after one game, and then he never got that quarterback position fixed. So you just don't know. But – is he ready? I think he's ready. I think he's ready, but are we expecting great things early? Unproven at quarterback, uh, new coaching staff. Um, offensive line. Offensive wide. line. Is there a star up front? And you've got a winning locker room whose coach still got fired. And now you're asking some guys who've experienced some success, Duck, to do mm -hmm. it your way. And, you know, the one thing I like about Sark is he's not gimmicky. You know, there's not, you know, the guy in the Minnesota, all the oars in the boat, and, and Tom Herman, the soggy the Sledgehammer. Pancakes. Sledgehammer and soggy pancakes and everything like that. I mean, you P can build that competition. P-Chart, too. And – you know, it's just it's all business with Sarkeesian, it seems like. He's very focused and driven and I don't know. And I think I think Tom Herman and even Charlie Strong thought it was gonna be easier. And it's not this is not an easy place to win. Winning is hard, I heard some coach say. It's not hard in Tuscaloosa. No, it's not and it's not hard in Clemson. But it's hard most it's not hard in college time. station. Well, it's kind of hard when you haven't won since 39 at College Station. But you don't know, know what winning is yet. That's Ohio true. State, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, LSU. There aren't there aren't but a handful of those. They're going to be good every year. Obviously, LSU wasn't too good last year, but oh, but they won a championship. 
but those are sure things. You know, when I do my AP poll, because I've been doing for 40 plus years, I know Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State are going to be top five probably. And uh, Texas is far from that, far from that. So you said in our Take 10 last Sunday, you thought you were slightly more pessimistic about the start of the season than optimistic. Uh, tell the listeners why why that's true. Well, first of all, I'm kind of an a-hole. Um, Beside that, though. Second, secondly, it's not a friendly schedule, Doc. No, it's not. Louisiana can come in here and get after Texas. And then there's a beehive in Fayetteville waiting for them. So I think I think um, if Maryland could beat a favorite Texas, why can't Louisiana, which is used to success, which is a bowl team every year? So right. I am worried. That's a veteran team coming in here, Doug. Mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm Texas, I'm, I'm worried that, that, that they're going to get after you. These quarterbacks, they came in and, and, and they, they got after a beaten and battered Colorado defense at the Alamo Bowl. They're going to be facing fresh legs mm-hmm. in that first game. Uh, Arkansas hates Texas, and the kids are raised to hate Texas. And so that's going to be. You know, and Arkansas is trying to figure out, the, find their sea legs after just some really bad years. Uh, they were scrappy last year. They're trying to take scrappy and become a good team. They will have, they have this game circled. They win this game. That's going to be on the front of their media guide the next year. So, oh, my God. Biggest so, win ever, probably. Yeah, be one of the biggest that's wins excellent. ever. Um, exercising demons from 69 or whatever. So, I'm. I'm worried about the schedule. Uh, you got, you know, Rice, they'll, they'll crush Rice. And I think after that, is it Texas Tech? Maybe. They'll open it up. So Maybe then Oklahoma? Yeah, so not an easy front half of no. the schedule. And no. usually you have maybe one non-conference game that's going to be a tough one. And then, and then, then you have a couple of games that you're supposed to win. Bringing bringing Louisiana in here with that that Arkansas double, going to be a really tough. I won't be shocked if they're one and one going into that Rice game, Duck. Hey, Brian Davis, our beat writer, picked Louisiana in our paper Sunday. Uh, I think you may have been the only one so far. You and I haven't really made our picks yet, but uh, Brian picked Louisiana to win that game. To me, that Louisiana game's got twenty seven twenty four written all over it. Somebody. Who's got the 27? I don't know. But, you know, they got Levi Lewis for the Cajuns coming in. They got 20 starters back. They've got like nine players on the first or second all Sunbelt team preseason. So you're right. that They are coming bent on making history there. They're not going to be cowed by that. They're going to be intimidated by the stadium or anything like that. So I don't know. So I ask you this. You lose that game. Louisiana, first game at home. How big a setback would that be for Sark? A big one, a huge one. Uh, I don't know if it's on the level of Maryland coming in here and putting 51 on Texas in his uh, – was that his first game? Mm-hmm. That was his very first game, and that was a that was a real shocker. But, oh. uh, but, but 
people expect Louisiana to be good this year. They didn't expect much of Maryland. No. And then they go and beat them again without a quarterback. So <clears throat> I think I think it will be a setback. Uh, he might have to do some of the best coaching of his career to get them back up and out of their feelings with Arkansas coming up right after that. Uh, but if they beat Louisiana convincingly, then who knows how good they'll be? Because the one the one thing we know is they do have on most Saturdays they're going to have the best football player on the field, and that's B. John Robinson. Uh, the key is, Duck, are you going to run him into the ground in the first half of the season, and and where is he going to be when the money games start? I know he's getting some Heisman hype, and I know that that's important to to promote your program and have him out front center, um, you know, try to front load his stats. These might be the games, the Rice game, he'll run for 175 yards. But the other games leading in, Arkansas and Louisiana, you have to guard against overworking this guy. And I think Sark and Stan Drayton, the running back coach, will. I think, you know, I don't think we'll ever really know why. Tom Herman didn't give the ball to Bajan Moore. I, I just don't understand that. Maybe he th- he was worried Keonta Ingram would transfer, and he eventually did to USC. But, uh, you know, there's too much of, well, you got Keonta Ingram, Roshan Johnson, Daniel Jones ahead of him, and, you know, heck with that. You know, no participation ribbons or trophies. Play the best guys. So I think he'll do that. But I think he'll keep a watchful eye on that and don't I don't think he's going to get 30 carries or 28 carries a game do you there some get Oklahoma he might but Rice you know you ought to get 12 carries 15 carries and get out of there because 15 you know, carries for 150 yards and a couple of touchdowns and and I'll get you ready for Fayetteville that's how it should be and the ball to the closer Daniel Young you, you remember when uh, Mac was trying to win the Heisman for Colt in 09 and, and played him every snap almost. And Gary Gilbert got no snaps. And then when you needed Gary Gilbert against Alabama of all wasn't people, ready. he wasn't ready. You know, to me, that's coaching. And uh, that's how uh, Mack had slipped, you know, that year. He's trying so hard to get him the Heisman. You're Texas. Yeah. Even if he's a Heisman finalist, that's fine. But you got bigger fish to fry than just winning awards. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think Bijan is poised for a huge season. I think he's he has a he has a countenance about him where he's not going to sweat the small stuff. He has a joy about him, how he plays this game, how he approaches his craft. I really think he's going to have a special season, but I worry about workload when it comes to him and uh, the last thing they really need is to be in a slobber knocker, two slobber knockers uh, before you even get to OU. OU's supposed to be the big slobber knocker. But even more than the workload, what I worry about is, okay, you've got a raw quarterback. Neither one has ever started a college game. And one's a redshirt freshman who's got a chance to win the job. So you've got a raw quarterback. You addressed it you know, earlier in one of your columns about a game manager and I don't think Sark wants a game manager, but I think he's going to have to use one of them as a game manager first half of the season before he feels comfortable and unleashing them. That's one thing. 
So if the quarterback and the passing threat isn't real, then they're loading that box to stop Bijan. The second thing is this hasn't been a killer offensive line for a while. And they've got uh, they've got some some new blood in there, uh, you know Jake Majors at center, and they don't have that star. They don't have that Connor Williams or the Sam Cosme that well he's going to be a first or second round. They don't talk about anybody like that. And Derek Kerstetter, he's your best offensive lineman, but he's a right tackle. If he's a premier talent, wouldn't he be at left tackle? Said I don't know that he's a premier talent. I agree, and I'm not sure there is one on that line. And so, to me, that could affect Bijan, the quarterback inexperience, how good this offensive line is, which I think I think this season will go as the offensive line goes. I think Bijan is spectacular. I think the quarterbacks will be adequate to capable with, with maybe some spectacular moments, but Offensive line is going to have to get it done, I think, if they really want to have a big, like, double-digit winning season. Defensively, we've talked a lot to some defensive guys, and I've enjoyed I've enjoyed our conversations with Agent Zero, DeMarvion Overshot, and, and Moro Jomo. And, uh, those, those guys seem to be really, really confident going in. I love him up front. I love Big Alfred Collins. I love Snacks, Keandre Colburn, plug in the middle. I, I, I think that they're going to be able to, to be disruptive enough uh, to, to really benefit those linebackers and those, um, and those guys that are on the back end that may, may have to hold, not hold their water for as long because they're chasing quarterbacks off of spots. I think this is one of the most athletic defensive lines we've seen in the last four or five seasons, Doug. I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're dead on. I think it's I think it's probably the best defensive line in the entire Big 12, especially depth-wise, and maybe a top 10, top 20 in the nation unit, because you mentioned some of them. They could go – they could maybe go three deep and not have a huge drop-off, because you've got guys like – you know, Byron Murphy, the second, uh, Sawyer Gore, Welch, you know, a couple of freshmen who've been here for a little bit. And, you know, they're having good camps and they're probably third team. And you mentioned Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, you know, Jacoby Jones. I mean, they got a flood of talent there. And like you say, I don't know who's going to be the sack leader there. Maybe it's overshown as a blitzer, but uh, yeah, I, lots I, of- I, I think it might be overshown. It might be. It might be because they're going to use. What are they going to put? Hey, what are they going to put Jatavian Sanders at? Um, at defensive end. What are they waiting on? Well, you know, apparently Sark is not reading us closely enough because (laughs) we've been advocating it in print and on the airwaves for quite some time. Oh God, we we have no stroke over there. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall. It's like, okay, I I think uh this tight end room everybody calls it a room now is just fabulous you know i just think wiley looks like a grown man now he is a brewer was already a grown man juan davis a freshman looks damn good yeah lee brock gunner helm another true freshman why why do you want to be in that room get get him get him 10 snaps at edge rusher and you know because 
You don't need him at tight end. I just, I just don't understand. They, I, I need don't just, they need some speed and grown madness on the edge. They could get him on the edge, and okay. he's played. He played on the edge at, yes. at Denton Ryan. He I've did. seen the tape. So I got a question for you. He's a freshman, true freshman. His junior year. If he was starting his junior year right now, and we're on this podcast, we'd be saying. Man, Jatavian Sanders, uh, you know, the best tight end in the country. He's just phenomenal. What percentage would you say we're talking about him as a tight end as a junior starting his third season? 10%. I think it's less. Yeah. I see, I see a I see a guy who who could be a an impact player on the edge right now. And in two or three years may end up being the best defensive tackle in college football. He's got room on that frame, Doug. Oh, he does. Bigger. He does. Don't he's be got, he's got He's got a little bit of Aaron Donald look to it. He's just a little taller. He's just a little taller than Aaron Donald. But he's got room on those shoulders and those legs. And when I see – when we saw him at practice, I, I didn't look at him and go, yeah, that's a tight end. Oh, no. I go, that's a beast ready to be on a leash on the edge. I mean, what's P.K. Wade now? Go get him, dog. Go get him. Maybe he lost the bet. Maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> Flood, the O.C., won the bet. I don't know. Maybe it was a golf game, something like that. But I agree with you. I think you get him on the field, however you get him on the field. I'd be interested in how many special teams this guy might be on. But uh, he's a special talent, and, you know, he – Got to get him on the field somehow this year. You don't waste a year with that kind of talent. Hey, Doug, before we get to uh, our, our next guest, Cat Vasquez, um, Dicker the Kicker, I wrote about him this week. Uh, one of the most fun interviews, just a real laid back, cool dude. Uh, competing, he's already the place kicker. We know he's going to be kicking off. He's competing at punter with Ryan Buschewski who tore his ACL and is working his way back from that. Right. Is too much dicker? Could that hurt them? I think it could. I don't want to see a dead-legged dicker at by the Oklahoma game, but if he's going to be doing all of these roles, that could really happen. So I'm kind of quietly pulling for Bushevsky to win that punting job so dicker the kicker will have fresh legs. I don't know why you're doing it quietly. I mean, <laughs> too much dicker ain't good for the kicker. Nice. Why did you give me this for my column? <laughs> I just think, you know, he's a special talent, too. He's got ice water in those veins. He's He's got two game winners against OU in Kansas now. He doesn't blanch at the big moment. And, and he was very effective as a punter. You and I both saw that. And obviously can kick off as well. So I would just – yeah, I would do anything in my power to try to get somebody else to handle punting rather than him to, because you never know how that wears you down late in the year when you need him for a big kick. And maybe, you know, maybe you don't quite have the range in November and or if you're at West Virginia that you might have if you weren't, you know, doing all those jobs. So uh, I don't know, maybe he just, you know, doing tryouts and he's going to come up with some alternative if, if Buczewski, uh isn't able to go. But I think you and I are on the same page there. Yeah, and you can't blame him for wanting the job. He's averaging 43.6 yards per yeah. attempt last season, and he booted 153 yards. And 
nearly made that one against Iowa State, was like 55 or 56 yards at the buzzer. That had plenty of distance just wide. So uh, definitely. That helps your NFL value, too. I mean, yeah, it does. It there were many Russell Erickson's that did both. and But, uh, yeah, I think uh, that could help his value. And, you know, kid ain't going to say no. He just wants to get out in the field. So uh, that'll be an interesting, uh, interesting factor to follow this season. Well, we'll be all over the Longhorn stuff on hook'em.com, of course, and right here on your friendly neighborhood podcast. But, Duck, let's talk a little fantasy league football. On second thought. Duck, it's always great this time of year. We're having the fantasy league drafts are coming up. I just had my home Tyler league that didn't go well, but I'm going to bounce back on Monday. Uh, when, when, when the OFL league gets going, our little auction league, and we can't have an OL auction before we talked to our resident fantasy league football guru, Cat Vasquez. Can we do? Well, don't bounce back on my behalf. Okay. You can just stay down a little bit. And, uh, so I'll talk to cat and you just kind of, you know, don't listen. Okay. So, uh, all right, you go although, ahead. Although cats are competitive too. We're all in the same league sports fans out there and, uh, all out to beat each other, but it's all love until Monday night. Right. Cat. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, they, uh, you know, I try to be a professional and, but I can't uh, confirm that I won't send out any kind of misinformation for you. <laughs> right. <now. laughs> So buyer beware, everybody. Buyer beware, yes. <laughs> well, let's launch into this. Uh, anything uh, just on the top, uh, right off the cuff, Cat, as far as uh, how this draft, we do an auction, as we've said many times, but any just uh, a new trends or patterns, anything that you're seeing uh, just off the, off the cuff, right off the top? Yeah, I think, I think an interesting thing this year is that once you get uh, beyond a, a certain point, it changes in some drafts, like sixth or seventh round. You're gonna you're gonna see a talent cliff at some point. It's gonna be dangerous. You're gonna want to make sure you have your whatever uh, whatever route you take. It, whether you want two stud running backs or you want to go pass heavy. If say you're in a PPR league and you want the t- two hottest receivers, then you're gonna want to make sure you secure those guys before you get. Uh, even to the late mid rounds, because there's just not much there. You're throwing darts after a while, especially at uh, uh, running back. That's, that's the, that's the scary thing. Uh, that's, that's something I've been seeing uh, recently. So if you know a guy you like, you got to make sure you get, grab him. Gotcha. Well, Ken, I, I had a problem in my draft and I, I drafted crappily as usual, but <laughs> um, I, I had a quandary. Um, I'm picking 10th in a 14-team league, and I had a chance to take Tyreek Hill, and I had a chance to take Saquon Barkley, but I'm I'm scared of the injuries, and I had a chance to take Nick Chubb. It's a PPR. Mm. What do you think of me taking DeAndre Hopkins in front of those guys? (laughs) This is just a personal advice deal we got going on oh go ahead now it's already already it's already happened cat it already happened. okay all right yeah no um that's a good question i mean hopkins is great and all but if you're gonna if you could spread out the the 
the talent on your team, you, you'd, I think I'd probably rather do that. I mean, what, 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 tell me what you did again. Just okay. I was a, I, it was a 14, it was a 14 team league. I'm picking 10. The running backs flew off the shelves, cat. They sure. flew. All the big names except for Saquon and Chubb were gone, including Jonathan Taylor, who I thought I might get at 10. Okay. So um, I wanted to have an elite receiver because it's a PPR. Right. So I took Hopkins, who's a top three guy, and I came back around the snake. Yeah. And I picked J.K. Dobbins. What do you think of those first two picks? Wow. That's rough. That's really rough, Sad. Um, but you said you had the opportunity to get uh, Chubb or Barkley, but you went with Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, that's that's hard. I mean, uh, what 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 running backs were there uh, on uh, on the on the snake again? Um, the ones that went before. No, the when you came back around, you you ended up with Hopkins, and I'm sorry, who was your second pick? I know with Hopkins and uh, and Jacobs, uh, Barkley and oh, Chubb no, went right. Me. Barkley and Chubb went right after I picked Hopkins. Hey, let's just take okay. the, cut to the chase. Yeah. Teddy screwed up. He should have taken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, well, you the problem is he's in PPR, and Nick Chubb's not going to do much that that's, way. That's what I'm talking it's, about. That's a, bru- that's a brutal. You know, uh, let's just say the number ten spot in your league is a brutal spot because that if you had no other choice besides what you took, that's that's tough, man. And my, my wife, I told my wife, Doug, before I left home, I said, I don't want a ninth or tenth pick in this league. It's death. Yeah. And that's where I ended up. That's where well, I ended up. Enough about personal problems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the running back uh, pool this year, uh, deeper than usual, more shallow than usual. How would you characterize the running back pool? And what advice would you give for people out there? Well, I think it's – I think it's uh, – Similar, but like I said before, I think I think it drops off at, at, at a certain point, especially if you're in a traditional draft. You know, sure. auctions the way we play, it's 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 pretty simple. If you want a guy, you just pay for him, you know. Um, but if if in a traditional draft, once you get to the seventh ish round, you you I think you better have your uh, maybe three running backs at that point. Wow. Because, Seven yeah, because have three. Yeah. Because you want, you're obviously going to want your 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 main ones, uh, right? With your top, your Darby one probably in the first two rounds at least, and then you want to get a second one at least by the fifth round. Um, so, if you if you're if you're struggling to have two guys you like, one thing you don't want to do, and this is just kind of uh, the way I feel about this particular player, is you don't want to have get your first running back who's a stud. And then you have uh, maybe your stud receiver. And then I don't want to end up with like, for instance, Mike Davis as my second running back, you know, right. and right. that can happen quick in, in the draft. Yeah. That's Absolutely. what, you know, that's what, uh, that's what I'm concerned about in terms of not picking up those running backs early. Um, right. Yeah. Well, like, uh, like running backs, uh, like uh, said was saying, Saquon Barkley scared him coming off the, the torn uh, knee ligaments. And I'm the same way. It scares me, too. I kind of like guys their second year after the, a, a catastrophic injury. And I think Seth agrees with me. Does Saquon scare you? He scares me, but not as much as uh, uh, as probably some other uh, people. Uh, the thing is, uh, while that's a concern, I don't see it as like – we're not seeing that play out 
right now. So it's not like he's constantly, you know, uh, uh, not performing. You know, it, it, I guess what I'm saying is there's more worry there right now than anything. So mm-hmm. I think it's a crisis of faith, perhaps. And like what, but once you see him on the field and he's moving around looking like he typically does, then I think people kind of relax on that. But so I wouldn't avoid him in the first round, I guess is the main, the bottom line, you know, I wouldn't avoid him, but I do see guys like Nick Chubb slightly in probably a half PPR and, and standard. Uh, I would see guys like Nick Chubb probably ahead of him still, gotcha. but he's Ooh. just dropped a little bit is what is my main point. Well, tell our listeners who they should avoid cat. Oh yeah. There's, there's a few people that I'm not too crazy about this year. Speaking of the giants, um, I'm just not sold on Kenny Galladay being the top, the top guy there. He's, he's got the talent. He's only played uh, uh, a full season uh, of, uh, I think, but once in his career. Um, Mm. uh, Yeah, that's true. Um, There's a lot of people in New York that can catch the, catch the ball. Um, There's a lot of uh, mouths to feed as you, as you say. Um, And Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, I'm just not too sold on him as a, yeah. as, a as a pastor. He's just I'm the same way. A, you, you shouldn't be too confident in that. And I wouldn't want Galladay as my uh, wide receiver two, my second best uh, receiver option. But if yeah. he's my three, then maybe that's okay. You know, yeah. if uh, if I if he's my third receiver, but I just don't. I'm just not confident in him as of now. Um, someone else uh, I'd stay away from. Uh, we just saw them last night. Uh, or I guess by now, a couple nights ago, um, the Saints quarterbacks. I want to wait until they'd establish something before mm-hmm. uh, making any kind of risk on drafting one. Even if one is named a starter, I right. wouldn't be surprised if they get pulled right away if things aren't going well quickly. So that's yeah, I agree. That's I, I think for. the Saints just may be a train wreck this year. but It's very you know, possible. Including Michael Thomas, who killed me last year in yeah. our league. Michael Thomas and, you know, Kamara, could that, could that affect him? You know, oh, for sure. That. I mean, I think Kamara's probably uh, 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 situation-proof and just how talented he is and how they're yeah. going to try to get him the ball. But yeah. um, but at the same time, yeah, it, it definitely could uh, hurt him. Uh, one guy who – you mentioned Michael Thomas. One guy who could probably benefit from that situation, we saw him show out last uh, couple, uh, on uh, that Monday night game was uh, – Marquez Callaway, who could, oh, yeah. who I I know what could be like a, a, a possible sleeper, um, had yeah. two touchdown catches, and especially if if Jameis ends up being the starter there, then Callaway could probably put up some numbers. And the thing is, he's probably almost completely free at. Well, he probably won't be by the time if people are <laughs> drafting this weekend, he'll probably move up the yeah. after draft position charts. But uh, he, he's somebody that's you know as of now really cheap to get. Yeah, I like Callaway too. Uh, I'm like you. I, New Orleans kind of all over the map. I'm not a big believer in Taysom mm-hmm. Hill as your starter or Jameis Winston. Anybody yeah, and their tight end just went down too. So that right. one they're excited about. Yeah. 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 How about uh, how about uh, just shifting the quarterbacks a little bit? Uh, Hold on, dog. Hold oh, on. You got another running back question? Yeah, the biggest <laughs> one, Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. He's slimmed down and he's, he's looking happy on hard knocks. Is he legitimate top five overall pick? Yeah. 
doesn't everything look great on hard knocks? Don't you feel that it really does the Super Bowl it, team every year? <laughs> it does. It does. We were no, believing I, in the Jets for a minute. <laughs> I think I think uh, I just don't see a reason why he can't bounce back. Uh, and, and, and I say bounce back, but he was a consistent player last year as well. So <laughs> it's not like he's going to there's kind of no proof in the in the in the concept that he's going to fall off a lot. Um, one thing you want to make sure of, though, is if you, if he is on your team, you do want to make sure that you this is one of the kind of uh, we used to do this a lot. But when it's a it's an opportunity to make sure you got the handcuff with Tony Pollard, because, I mean, Zeke does get used, you know, in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. But if he's out, then you could see that stuff going to Pollard and you want that protection. Um, but I, I think I think he'll bounce back, especially if if Dak is like even 85% of what he was, then I think things would be great for Zeke. Yeah, he kind of had fumble problems some last year, too. Uh, he fumbled like three, four times against the Falcons. I know. I that know. True. That's true. I think that might have been – although it just seems like an anomaly to me when it happens like that. It's not like something he's had over his career. Yeah. Perhaps there was a mental thing going on in terms of just kind of where they were at during the season. Maybe you check out a little bit. Uh, I don't know that that's what happened, but – uh, it's possible, and I, I just feel like if he's focused and everybody is actually uh, in the right direction, and it seems like they might be going in the right direction, the offense anyway, then uh, I, I, I see him having a typical year, and the consensus is that he'll be a top five running back. I've seen experts all over the all over the landscape rank him in the top five still. Yeah. Oh, wow. Travis Etienne likely out for the season. Liz Frank injury. Yeah, that's rough. Um, that could be a lasting thing too, after even after he recovers a little bit. So, but yeah, uh, the guy there, isn't he? I mean, exactly. That's that's just going to shoot him up draft charts right now because he was great last season, and it's 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 unfortunate for him, especially that they get a new regime, you know, and uh, Urban Meyer comes in and drafts a running back right away. So that's 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 tough. So you would expect uh, Meyer to want to use Etienne a bunch uh, since he that's his guy you know so right. now it looks like he's gonna have to revert back to the guy who was the guy last year so i like uh, him. i like him too i like I, robinson I got, a lot too yeah is melvin gordon got anything left in the top <laughs> oh my god good question because that's the the guy he's uh who's in his uh, running backs room with uh javante williams look looks really good and he's yeah. another guy that i'm thinking is probably possible sleeper because he's uh yeah. uh he's going in uh, late fifth rounds of some drafts yeah and that's a decent that's a good spot to get it, that could end up even being your third running back so i mean if, if you go running back early yeah but, uh, i like williams i like williams i've had yeah, so, before chris carson he gets hurt a bunch but true when that's another guy i kind of um, but i shy away from carson also yeah Yep. Uh, you know, the other running back I love, uh, Najee Harris, the rookie. I, yeah. I, I don't know about the Steelers' offensive line, but I love me some Najee Harris. Do you? 15th overall in my league. 15th it's, overall pick. What it is, what it is. Yeah. What it is, is usage when it comes to Najee Harris. You know, they're going to use him. Um, sure. I don't think they're going to want to sling it as much as they typically do. And right. the problem, the problem is that, uh, Tomlin tends to, uh, uh, ha- or running backs in his system tend to produce early in the season. 
and then kind of get worn down as it goes along. You saw that with guys like James Conner. That's the only worry I have for Najee Harris. Once again, I mean, it's an extra game also. Added 17 weeks of, yeah. of real actual football. And you might want to watch out for him. One <clears> thing you could do if you're, if you're feeling frisky is uh, see how Harris does towards the middle of the season. Maybe he hits a peak at some point and sell high and – just in case he does, he does feel that wear down. Um, uh, then you could get something big in return. So, well, let's, yeah, let's, I mean, let's, let's switch to the chunkers. Uh, mm-hmm. the guys under center. I mean, it seemed like they're good to great quarterbacks falling out of trees, including, you know, last year's rookie class. And this year, I mean, how would you evaluate quarterbacks? I mean, you got your natural Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes near the top, but, uh, we're not let's, talking about those. Let's talk about those yeah, those question yeah. marks. All right, what's what strategy you got for some of these young first and second year quarterbacks? Oh, I think the fact that if you're in a league, you're in a twelve, maybe even at the most fourteen team league, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to uh, play lots of these quarterbacks. I mean, if if you're going in, and I I get the appeal of going in with a Pat Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers because you feel safe there and you could just start sure. them every week. But if you really want to stretch the value of your team, you're going to want to get those play the better players at the other positions, because like you said, there's opportunity all over the place. You could probably end up starting, uh, uh, maybe you could take a streaming route and even start guys like, uh, 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 Zach Wilson one week, who's a rookie. Maybe he has a great matchup some down some somewhere down the season, and you could toss him in there. And you could have a you could have a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's been uh, a a quality solid quarterback his yeah. whole career. Now in a new system with a great offensive mind, and yeah, he could end up just. And he's not being overvalued at all. So yeah. that's the type of guy you could draft and kind of just have him set in that position, almost like a, your game manager, and just produce solid numbers every week. And if you feel like you need some kind of boost, maybe take a shot on somebody else. But, I mean, there's lots of talent out. I mean, you could almost start every quarterback in any given week. Um, but, yeah, it, I see the appeal of having the, the top Josh Allens, et cetera, Kyler Murrays, et cetera, Dak Prescott even. I mean – Oh, he should have a great, he should have a great bounce back year. I think. Is he, I mean, he going to have a great bounce back? I don't know. I think it could. I mean, like I said, it's it's kind of the same thing about um, uh, it's like I said, I think it's a crisis of faith again, where there there isn't much. That, I mean, we heard we heard the the shoulder injury stuff, but there wasn't much after that. It's not like it's not getting worse. It's not uh, it's, it's actually progressing. So I mean. If after that, what, what what's gonna what what are you worried about? <laughs> what's what's your biggest concern? Do you think these injuries are gonna start mounting up, or do you well, think they haven't just- been playing them in preseason? I know he threw what fifty two passes, but most of them were you know little, <laughs> sure. little swing passes. But being like, so cynical, he worried why, why would you play me. He in worried the me. Though? Hey, I don't wor- don't play him in the preseason. You're not worried about Tom Brady not playing. <laughs> He's got a exactly. clean bill of health. I mean, this guy, he's got ankle, shoulder. He All right, so both he's of you guys are comfortable if Dak Prescott is your quarterback. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I would, I would feel fine with it because, like I said, there's it's such a deep position anyway since we only have 
12, 12, 11 other uh, teams to contest with. We don't have 32 teams uh, to contest with. So, I mean, but if he was your, but wait a minute, if he was your number one guy, Cat, would you be fine with that, Dak Prescott? I would be fine with that. I know you're going (laughs) to see that (laughs) going into our auction pretty soon, but I would be fine with it. (laughs) I I don't. I I don't think I'm going to bid for him. I said, I'll ask you the same question. If you leave Monday night and he's your number one guy, you feel comfortable, Sid? I feel a lot more comfortable than I do in Derelict, where I have Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not hating on Tannehill. I mean, no. we talked about this at dinner the other night, Duck. Yep, he's got Tannehill's got Julio. He's got A.J. Yeah. Brown. He's going to be fine. He's going to – and he Henry. gets rushing. How many, how many passes did Derrick Henry catch last year? Did he catch a bunch? Seven, eight, Seven, who's okay. to say? Yeah. But, All right. Uh, what about the old man, Cat? What about Tom Brady? He, they, there's. I'm, I'm hearing that he thinks that he could throw 55 touchdowns this year. Wow, we could have kept him. Well, I don't know that that's going to happen. But the thing about, like I said, I mean, he could, he could give have a blow up week. It's very possible. I mean, I don't, I don't see any evidence uh, against that uh, he, he's done it all his career. And if he looks, you know, as healthy as he's ever looked, then I don't see why not. Um, I just don't, wouldn't want to have him as my only option. That's the only thing. And you're not going to have him as your only option. It's fantasy football. Everybody has a backup. So I would, like I said, I would feel comfortable with Dak. I would feel comfortable with Tom Brady. I don't know. Name another scary. Big Roethlisberger, I'd probably ha- be a little bit more concerned about um, taking the field every week. But uh, if 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 I if I had a guy like Roethlisberger, I'd have a probably a, a younger backup, just to somebody that seems a little more uh, athletic and uh, agile. Closer to home, Baker Mayfield. True. By yourself. Uh, well. If you have Baker on your team, then your running backs and receivers should be really good. So because he's not, oh. he doesn't, <laughs> no, he doesn't cost he doesn't cost a lot in drafts. So you're going to be able to draft those positions higher than quarterback. So let me ask you this, Cat: If I go back, yeah. we have a fifty dollar cap salary mm-hmm. cap. If I open up Baker Mayfield for fifty cents, do you raise me to sixty? I'll raise you sixty. I'll raise you sixty. What about a dollar? I'll raise you sixty. Wow! I would, I would pay. I would pay probably. Nah, I'll let y'all figure that out. I'm gonna pay a dollar. I'm not. You, you can. You can. You can go ahead and say it. I'm. I don't want Baker on my team. I take him. I. How many touchdown passes did he throw last year? Twenty. No, he was in the twenties. Yeah, it was. It was. It's not bad. The thing is, like I said, you need to. You need everybody else on his team to be. Everybody else on your fantasy team to be almost outstanding. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to have two studs running back, two stud receivers, and then Baker's your uh, game manager there, I guess. How about how about Joe Burrow? You trust him coming off injury? That's a really good question because I like him a lot. And uh, the it, I, fe- I see a lot of bad reports coming out of their uh, training camp, but I feel like that's just a little – maybe a little bit over analysis – uh-huh. Um, I want to see it during the actual games to see if he's a, uh, if he's a, uh, okay. Same with Jamar chase. I think that stuff is a little overblown. I think he's going to be okay. I you do. know, 
Like yeah. once once the play starts, then he'll, I think he'll be fine. I think I'm okay with Joe Burrow too. I mean, it's yeah. although his he's coming off an injury, so it's a bigger deal. But yeah, I think I think that'll be all right. Uh, Baker had 26 touchdowns, only eight picks. Oh, there you it's, go. You guys. That's not game. bad. Game that's managing. Not bad. That's not bad at all. That's Here's one. Let's move to receivers. Um, yes, sir. So, Cat. Mm. So, my my best friend, John Keats. Sorry, Kirk. You're my second best friend. But oh. uh, I'm hurt. My best friend, John Keith, a.k.a. the cop, yep. in our draft, was picking second. So, he picked Dalvin Cook, of course, Ooh. after McCaffrey. Ooh. Like it doesn't suck. Good for him. But it comes all the way back and he takes takes CD Lamb. Wow. As the that says 14 and then 28th overall pick. CD Lamb's ADP has gone way up uh, from what I've been reading. Is the hype real? Is he better than Amari Cooper at this point? I think. I think it'll turn out to be, I mean, once you see the points, the fantasy points at the end of the season, I think so long as Dak is healthy, then Lamb will be the top receiver in Dallas because in terms of production anyway, the only thing about it, this is a fantasy football though. So this isn't real life football. So the, the problem is I think he's going probably a little too high right now. Like There is hype there and it might be justified, but as it is, it might be a, might be a little too rich. Given that he hasn't done it yet, um, a little early, maybe. Hey, he, took I, him, he took him before Keenan Allen. Yeah, yeah, see, stuff like that makes me not not. Yeah, I, w- I don't I agree with that. stuff like that, but I but I definitely see like he's he's definitely a potential breakout player. I mean, he, he he you could argue he broke out last season, his rookie year, but I I really think he could be very productive. I mean, but the, I think the range of outcomes, his low range is a little too low than his. Uh, ceiling i guess is is what my concern is so um i'd you'd rather pick somebody with a higher floor uh that has a, a decent ceiling as well like a keenan allen to just to be a little more secure in in what you're taking in the draft no that said i think he's probably got the best top five in our league he he went dalvin cook he went cd lamb alan robinson julio jones russell wilson it's not bad That's That's pretty pretty good. Good. Kind of done, or you Julio is a receiver three, though, in that lineup. Oh, I know. What do you think, Cat? In terms, of, yeah, I think Julio's probably, you know, I don't know that he's kind of done. I think he's probably going to be, he'll be productive, but uh, I don't think it's a question. AJ Brown's going to be the best receiver there, so it's not like Julio's going to really compete for that top spot with the Titans. I think AJ Brown is the better receiver at this point in his career. And he has more chemistry with Tannehill. So, and they're going to be still, they're they're not good. It's not like they're just going to be flinging it. They're still going to probably do a lot with the Derrick Henry. And so you, that limits kind of the target opportunities. A few more receivers like the young one, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore. I like Devontae Smith a ton. I mean, People just can't stick with him. I mean, he's yeah. he gets free on on a lot of his routes. It's I think it'll be kind of a, a you won't see it right away, but I think um, I think he'll be productive and he'll probably give you some splash games too. And the thing is, he's going in the seventh round. That's a great spot for mm-hmm. a wide receiver three. You know, is he gonna return kicks? 
You know, I'm not sure on that. Uh, he probably shouldn't. He's so yeah, rough. I wouldn't want him to if I were there. Yeah, I agree. Because that's that's a little dangerous for. How about you know, Elijah back. Moore and Waddle? What's Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, I like. Um, uh, but again, it's kind of iffy to have a guy with a rookie yeah, quarterback, you know, yeah. and, and playing that slot. I mean, he's gonna. But the thing is lots of people play these weekly games and that he could be a good player for those, uh, daily, yeah. daily contests because he, he could have a splash game just, just based on his talent and how good he is. Um, and the other guy you mentioned was, um, Elijah Waddle. Waddle. I, I Waddle. like Waddle a lot. Um, that's, that's something that can, uh, really develop. And again, he's not, uh, take getting drafted really high either. There's 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 guys you could take shots at in, in late later in these drafts, and that, that's a good thing. Here's another rookie I absolutely love, and his name is Kyle Trask. He, really? I, I think he's gonna tear it up. I, I saw him a lot with Florida, and he's a wide receiver more than a tight end, I think. Oh, uh, Kyle, uh, Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Oh, Kyle you Pitts. You said Trask. I was, I was like... thinking of Florida. I was thinking of Florida. <laughs> no, yeah, Pitts. 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 Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Pitts. Um no, I like him a lot too. I mean, and the thing is, you got all those Julio Jones targets that are no longer in Atlanta, yeah, so in Ridley, yeah. probably take a big chunk of those. Uh, they'll go some to Calvin Ridley. So, I mean, yeah, I'm excited about that too. Actually, that, see, that, that's see. another rookie, and that's a rookie that you never see it happen. Rookie tight ends, they just do not produce. But this guy is special, right? I mean, that's what we kept yeah. hearing is he's he's pretty much a wide receiver. It would playing tight end position and, but he's also big. So I, I, I want to go back to a quarterback in just a second. How would you rate these in terms of order of impact this year? Mm. You're, you're looking to get a cheap quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Am I leaving anybody out? That means your backup. If you got room for a backup or a third quarterback, which two of those would you be most interested in taking? Two of two of Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Zach Trevor Wilson, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, or Zach Wilson. Right. Well, you, I think you have to start with the two guys that are absolutely starting. So mm-hmm. I would say Trevor Lawrence, uh, maybe Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson has some guys that are pretty decent targets as well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about Lawrence's targets so much as maybe Lavisca Chenault is. He seems to have a decent amount of chemistry with him, and Wilson. One guy who's he's hooking up well with is Corey Davis, who's actually one of my sleepers right now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he's 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 gonna be. I mean, if if things if they continue to hook up well, he's got the talent to do everything that he was expected to do to do once he came in the league. So yeah. I'm I'm looking looking at that closely. Anybody else overrated or maybe a really great player who's done like, oh my god, I am so staying away. Big Ben's done. Come on. No, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's, he's Big Ben quality Hall of Fame, but he couldn't throw the ball forty yards last. That's possible. That's I think Big Ben is probably one in that category. Okay. Um, Who else? Um, uh, Brady. Hey, hey, Matt I mean, Ryan. A older, so I mean, that's uh, people have been saying that for ten years, though. So Matt uh, Ryan. Yeah, hard to say. Um, I think Matt Ryan is solid still. I, I don't think he's going to – I don't think he's, he's going to fall off necessarily, but it it could happen. But I don't see that uh, right now. Um, one guy – uh, if you want uh, somebody who was a stud that 
is possible bust potential right now. One yeah, guy I'm seeing, he's he's he is a younger player though. Um, uh, Antonio Gibson because they don't throw him the ball, and I don't understand it. He played wide receiver in college. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He scored a lot of touchdowns last year. Yeah. Is, and that's but the last half of the season, he was very touchdown dependent. He fell off. He had a few hundred yard games in the first half of the season. I think people are seeing that. Uh, we're seeing him as a, a kind of a can't miss running back at that point. And now he's getting drafted way too high, in my opinion. Yeah, he and, was a late pickup for me last. But year. here's the thing: they, uh, I think they hired the Carolina offensive coordinator, and I read that they're putting in a Christian McCaffrey type package. Antonio yeah. Gibson. That yeah. would that that's what I, I that's what I would rather see. But just based on like what's happened so far, you got mm-hmm. guys like JD McKissick who you're catching passes there. Jarrett right. Patterson, the rookie, looks good there right now. So right. I don't know why. Well, I I, I kind of don't get why they would split that up and and not give uh, Gibson the the lion's share of all the pass catching opportunities as well. Yeah, a couple of other things I got, and we'll let you go. Uh, do you under duress or under gunpoint ever draft a Houston Texan? Uh, this year, no. What about Deshaun I mean, Watts? <laughs> man, he can play. I don't think he'll play this year. You don't? I don't think so. Do you care? I don't know. I don't know why they're messing around with that exempt list. I mean, yeah, it just seems clear that that's the move they got to make, but. Somebody will, somebody will bid a dime or dollar and take him in our league. And I bet, yeah, hope that's to have him next year. So very possible. Um, one one thing I can see happening, and we can we can mark this down and 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 revisit. But I bet somebody ends up picking up uh, whichever running back scores two touchdowns in a week for the Texans. I mean, it's gonna mm-hmm. happen because you know you know it's it's just gonna happen. Every team has somebody that does something and. Uh, I don't know, maybe marking. They go out of they got Ingram and Philip Lindsay and yeah. It's kind of a I could see Lindsay getting some garbage stuff, garbage time stuff, you know. They're probably gonna be trailing a lot. So yeah, and he's a a good pass catcher. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. They got any receivers anymore. Is Kiki Kute their number one? Oof. Yeah, that's gonna be painful. It's gonna it's gonna be a rough season for Houston for sure. Yeah. Well, any, well, any final thoughts, anything you want to put a capper on? One, one final thing I wanted to bring up just be, just because I would be remiss. Uh, uh, I think Trey Lance starts at some point, maybe even early and he does some enough to get people excited and streaming the quarterback, him at quarterback. And even if, whether or not that happens, I also think of Brandon Ayuk is going to have a breakout season as well. No, I was hoping you weren't going to mention that. I, mean, <laughs> I had him last but, year. He was decent. He was decent. Yeah, he had over seven hundred yards and seven touchdowns last year. I think yeah. he goes. I think he does even better this year. He's just such yeah. a dynamic playmaker. I think he might. You just disregard that, Cedric. <laughs> well, I'll just say this in closing: the Las Vegas derelicts went six and nine last season. The FC Gatos went seven and seven. And the sitting ducks went nine and seven. Maybe Neither eight. one of us had a very good. We had season. eight quarterback starters. We had yeah, that. but we I'm had. gonna bounce back this season. I'm doing my homework. I'm disregarding everything Cat said today because I think you got to get me smart. And I'm gonna show up Monday, and I'm coming after you both. 
I love it. 2021. I love it. Bring How it, many bring years it. running? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I lose count since, but since I won it all in 2016 or 2017. We've been, we've been playing fantasy football since the 70s and 80s. I mean, that's how far we go back. Newspaper box scores tabulated. Absolutely. We go so far back. We're positively <laughs> ancient. So, hey, man, thanks for dropping some knowledge on us. Uh, hey, yeah, look for my rankings and – um. My 21 predictions for the 21 season uh, coming out uh, Friday, uh, possibly Saturday. I'm, I think I think that's a little up in the air, but maybe Friday or Saturday. Look for that in the paper and online. Perfect. And you'll be writing every week, right? Yes, sir. Every week we'll have a waiver wire pickups, and we'll also have a preview going into the week's action. On what day, and what day are you going to run this week, your weekly installments? The you weekly, uh, we'll have a Tuesday waiver wire uh, article, and then we'll have a Saturday article on uh, starts and sits uh, for Sunday's games. Love it. Well, it, it's not it's not football season if we don't talk to Cat Vasquez, so we had to have you in. You know what we're going to do. We're going to do it again mid-season. So enjoy your drafts, and I will see you to Monday. The derelicts are coming for your throats. Later, Cat. All thanks, right, thanks. Cat. On second thought. Doug, that was a jam-packed podcast. Great stuff today. Thanks to Jake Spavital for, from Texas State and our very own Cat Vasquez for joining us. We will see you next week on On Second Thought. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.